0: All right, good morning. Um, happy Mother's Day. and uh, All the moms out there, it's, uh, I love that video. Uh, I, I saw that a number of years ago, but uh, I'll admit, sitting over there watching it every time, it starts to get me just a little bit when I think about just um, moms and my moms and, and the special privilege that, that women have of being mothers. And it lays so much out, right, that, that we don't always give moms credit for. Proverbs 31, 25, and 30, or through 30, says this. It says about mothers. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom. The faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. I hope your kids did that for you this morning. Her husband also, he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for... All that her hands have done, and let her works bring her the praise at the city gate. Wouldn't that be great? Just walk, drive through the city, and there's just moms, yeah! So being a mom is something very special. And whether today you're uh, being honored as a mom, or maybe you, you were a mom, or you have, you're being honored as a mother figure, or you're doing the honoring to your mom or a mother figure in your life, um, I think it really is an honor for me to be able to pray over you today and bless you and just say thank you, moms, for all that you do for us, for your kids, for your households. Um, it's a very, very special thing to, to, be, to be a mother and to have that role in, in your homes. I know that in my life, um, I've been blessed with now uh, three mothers in my life. I have my mom, um, my stepmom, who we actually refer to as my bonus mom, but my stepmom, my bonus, my mom, my bonus mom, and my mother-in-law, and all three of them, they're either watching right now or they will watch later, so I love you moms. And um, just thank you for being the, the mothers you were and have been to me. You left an incredible legacy for me and my wife to pass on to our girls. And what I'd like to do is uh, I'd just like to real quickly just take a time, say thank you moms, bless you, and pray for all the, the moms that are with us today. So, um, oh, and as uh, Jamie said, if you didn't get one of the, the little things on the, the South Foyer coffee, the bar out there, the coffee bar, or whatever, please grab one. It's a, just a small token, but a fun thing of us was saying happy Mother's Day and thank you. So let me pray for all of, all of you guys today. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for uh, the the gift that you've given uh, for moms to be mothers and the recognition that they may often not get but so rightfully deserve. I thank you for the roles that they play in in the household, the the director of operations, God. And and I ask that this season, that this year is just a blessed year for them, God. Give them strength, encouragement, motivation, and an abundance, an abundance, an abundance, an abundance of patience when it comes to to running a house and children, God. But I thank you for the the joy that that they have, the joy that they have. Way that we have, and um, I pray that this Mother's Day is just an incredible day. We thank you, we love you, and everybody said, amen. All right, so we're going to continue on our series of focus today, and I've really enjoyed uh, working on this and talking through focus, and, and today and we're going to have an emphasis on focusing on the future. Now, I've talked a lot about uh, here, our future as a church, and where I want to go and what I want to do, but today we're going to kind of hone it in and not so much talk about church future but really focus on personal future, individual future. Where where are we going as as an individual? Where are you going as a personal walk, your personal walk with God, and how does that look, and what are maybe some obstacles that we have today in our life? Now, personally, when it comes to planning, I'm really bad, really bad at planning. In fact, I am not allowed to plan things at home when it comes to going out and doing things because I have the problem of double or triple booking. When someone says, you know, hey, Dustin, we want to we want to go do this or come over and do this, I immediately say yes. I am the yes person. And then my wife says, "Did you look at the calendar?" And we, we had this conversation hundreds of times, and my response is always the same. Nope. And then she says, "It's on the calendar." And sometimes you're going to go, "I didn't see it on the calendar." In reality, it's because I didn't even look at the calendar, right? But then we have to, the whole thing goes around where we have to reschedule and change things because I always get in trouble (laughs) when it comes to planning things and trying to plan out my future and where I'm going to go with things. But for the planners out there, there's not only the temptation to make your own plans, but the temptation to say you are not going to let anything change your plans. Maybe some of you are like that. You say it's on the calendar that is set in stone. We do not deviate from the plans that we have had. We stick to the plan. We're so focused, though, on having it all figured out that we'll talk about today how sometimes that can turn into an obstacle because if we so much stick to plans that we make, sometimes we can lose sight of the plans God is making in our lives. And what is he doing now? What is he going to do later that we may not see because we're so focused on having that control and doing what we want to do? We have our eyes so fixed forward on ourselves that it's hard to see the things that God has planned for us. What we learn, as we're going to talk about today, what we learn maybe to get out of the way and let God get in the way. Let God lead the way in our plans. Now, if you're a planner, if you are that person who you like, to take, you like to take plans and you like to take control and you just heard me say, get out of the way and let God do it, take a breath. Take a real deep breath. Some of you, I looked out, you just gave me the stink eye. You know who you are, Stephanie. But, but so far, we're going to talk about that today. Letting God take the plans. Now, we've talked a little bit, um, a couple of weeks ago, we started this series on focus, and we talked about focusing on the good. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. There are certain things that the world cannot give us. These things only come from God. They only come from the Holy Spirit. And Paul calls us to con- consistently be thinking about these things. And how that will shape our focus and our walk in life. Don't focus on the worldly temporary things, focus on the godly things. And last week we talked about a story in Matthew where Peter and the disciples were literally in a storm. And they see Jesus walking on the storm and how Peter, things were good when he was focused on Jesus. But when he shifted his focus, he started to sink. But a key point there was remember, just like God was walking on that storm, he can walk all over your storm today. Keep your focus on him. When you see through your storm, you'll see that he is right there walking on it, and he will carry you through it. Now, we have this foundation for focus. We're going to keep talking about now our future. Now, one of my favorite shows um, was, for a long time, Shark Tank. I loved to watch Shark Tank. I actually stopped watching it because I started getting mad that I wasn't thinking of these dumb little things that were turning people into multimillionaires. But there was one episode of Shark Tank where a man named Jamie Siminoff went on Shark Tank. He had a device that he said this was going to revolutionize home security. He was real excited for it. He actually had his business semi-running, but he was looking for an investment from the sharks. Now, if you've never watched Shark Tank, People go in with their small businesses or ideas, and there's a group of panels, a, a panelists called the Sharks, and these are multi-millionaire, billionaire business people. Kevin O'Leary, Mark Cuban, Robert Herjavec, Lori and Barbara, and these people have the opportunity to buy into a business and typically, when they buy into a business, we see that business skyrocket. I love the updates they'll do on the show. Say, last year, this company came in, and they'll say, our sales were X amount of hundreds of thousands, and now we're in the millions of dollars because of how this person helped us. So it's, it's a fun show to see people come in and pour out their heart and dreams and see success. But there's also the other side of the show, the people that come in and just get torn apart, or as they say, eaten alive by the sharks. The sharks will ask questions and fire things apart, and if they see a hole in the business model or they see something's not quite adding up, they will go out. And they do so for smart reasons. They'll they'll be really wise on why they invest in and what they don't, and then sometimes you'll even see updates or hear online of businesses that went in, got exposure, sharks said no, and then that business actually did tank. And it was often for the reasons the sharks saw. They, They have this great ability to see things. Now, Jamie Siminoff goes in there. He has this idea. He wanted $700,000 for a 10% stake in his company. His company was a doorbell that had a camera on it, and he called it DoorBot. Now, during his pitch, the shark said his evaluation was too high. There were already security systems out there. When you ring the doorbell, people can look out your window. You don't need a smart device to see who's at your front door. They ripped him to shreds on his product and he left there and they interviewed him after the show. They said, your product is not cool looking enough. Your business model is bad, no deal. And Jamie said, I've never felt more dejected in my life. And he said he felt like quitting. Now, he didn't quit. He decided he was not going to look at what just happened. He was going to shift it and see what could he do about it moving down the road. He renamed his product Ring. Yeah, you all know what Ring is. Three years after Shark Tank, Amazon.com bought Ring for $1 billion. It has the record for being the highest valued company ever to appear on the show. That's insane. I remember watching the, the show. I remember seeing that episode with DoorBot and, and thinking, that looks really cool. And then hearing the sharks tear it apart and going, that product stinks and nobody wants that. And now we have a ring. We we love this thing. But Jamie had to ask that question that moment. Am I going to be focused on what just happened, my past failures, the reasons they said this will not work because of how I've messed up my business in the past, or am I going to focus on the future? Am I going to look ahead and see what can I do now because of what happened? What is going to consume his focus? And ultimately, his focus caused him to shift gears and become a multi-billionaire who now has a couple times appeared on Shark Tank as a shark. Yeah, talk about a flip, right? They kicked him out, and now he's sitting next to him, offering money on businesses. See, there's stories and articles we read about success, right? And similar to Jamie, I believe success stories come from various men and women who all had the same choice that they had to make. Are we going to focus on the past, or are we going to take a shift and gaze and look at something else and what we're going to change? Now, I know we can make that same choice in our life and our walk with Jesus. are we going to look at our past and what held us down, where we came from and why we can't get somewhere, or are we going to say, I'm going to look ahead to see what Jesus is focusing on now? What are we going to do? And I want us to learn today that we can focus on our future. It's not a future we can imagine for ourselves. It's not even one I believe we can achieve by ourselves. It's one that I believe we have to wholeheartedly focus on Jesus and see what he has for us. I think God's desire is to help us understand the importance of walking with him every step of the way and allowing him to direct our steps. Proverbs nineteen twenty one says this. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So many times, it's, it's easy to see, well, you have your plans, and then God comes in and, and just makes your plans look like nothing, right? But it's all about now, are we actually going to follow through with those plans when they come up? And if you're the planner, this is where it gets really, really hard. So, before I break down a few key elements, uh, we're going to talk about what the Bible says about our future, and I'm not going to elaborate too much on this one verse, because I actually talked about it about two months ago, but Jeremiah 29, 11, this is a very well-known verse, like I said, we talked about it, but it's really hard to talk about a future, not at least reference this verse, because of how powerful it is. These are words from the prophet Jeremiah, in the middle of a letter he wrote to people exiled, living in Babylon, and being held slaves. He says this in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you hope and a future. Now, we, we could focus many, many hours on this one verse, um, but I want one key element to write out of today, and we'll break it down some more. He wants to give us a future. It doesn't just say, you're gonna work for something. I have it. It says, God says he wants to give you a future. There, there's a gift that he has for you. He's saying, I want this for you. I want to give this to you. But there's things in the way that maybe we can do that that kind of deviates, like, well, here's your future, but you're not walking in it. And we're going to talk about that. He wants to give us a future. And I love where this verse is placed in Scripture, because, like I said, he's talking to a group of exiles. These are people who are living in the midst of no hope. They are exiled, they are prisoners, they are slaves, they are just not, they are away from home, they have no hope. And Jeremiah is saying, guess what? God has a hope and a future he wants to give you. Even in this moment where you are broken, you are beaten, and you are enslaved, there is hope, and there is a future. Understand today that God has a wonderful plan for our lives, a plan that he has masterfully created, and nothing can take that away when our focus is on him and the future that he has for us. Sometimes it's hard to believe, but I say it a lot. God's plans are better than our plans. God's plans are always better than our plans, the Bible says this in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 says, When the prophet says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts seems like common sense a lot, doesn't it? Sometimes when you read a verse, you're like, oh, duh, God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I mean, he's God. <laughs> I am not God. But then so often we still fall into the same struggles of putting our plans first and doing what we want to do first instead of saying, God, I'm going to give everything to you and let you steer this boat. Now, remember when you were a kid and you knew that you knew more than your parents? Yeah, you knew you knew more than your parents. Some of the youth in here right now are like, "Yeah, it's right now, I know I know more than my parents and you think, man, mom and dad, you have this rule, you have that rule, you tell me I can and I can't, and you don't get it. You're not a kid now, you don't know what I go through, you don't understand. But what we fail to realize as kids in this moment is, our parents can see the bigger picture, right? They know that what they say yes to now is gonna lead down this way in the future, and it can start shaping you and molding you. That's why there's rules and structures and guidelines, because parents, we can see that picture. You know, I think it's great we get to talk about this on Mother's Day. Moms, you can see that picture. You see, this is why I don't let my kid eat a bowl of ice cream right before dinner. Even though every kid says that's the greatest idea ever. Avery will say, she'll say this, I'm not kidding. She'll say, it won't mess with dinner, Dad. This is my stomach. This is my dessert stomach. She, she does it all the time. It doesn't mess with it. But we know the truth. <laughs> there are rules for a place. It's like uh, Mr. Miyagi teaching Daniel how to do karate. I love Karate Kid, and I am obsessed with Cobra Kai on TV right now. Season four starts soon, and I cannot wait. But if you've seen Karate Kid, you know that Mr. Miyagi, the wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyagi is giving Daniel a future, and Daniel doesn't even see it at the time. It gets to the point, actually, where he wants to quit. He has no idea what he's doing when it's wax on, wax off, paint the fence, paint the fence, uh, wax the floor, scrub the floor. He hates it, and he gets to the point where he quits until Mr. Miyagi has this breakthrough with him, When he starts swinging at him, and Daniel does all the moves that he was learning, not even knowing he was just following instructions, and it was preparing him for his future in his training. He didn't even understand what to do until he submitted to the teachers of Mr. Miyagi. When we're able to live in this truth and we're able to say, I'm going to submit to, to God's way, even if I don't know what is happening right now, I don't know why we're going this way, but I'm going to submit to it anyway. We get to see God do an amazing thing when we just, we say, I'm going to move out of the way and I'm going to put God in the way. Some of us have been praying for God to move in our lives, but the truth is we may need to move a little bit out of what we think our life is to let God take control. We've hit things so hard that we're desperately saying, God, I need you to move in me. I need you to move in my family. I need you to move in my job. I need you to do something. But for right now, for God to do something, we have to move out of his way. We have to relinquish control. We have to let him do the work. We have to let pride go. Understand he's the one with the perfect plan. And, and many different obstacles can keep us from doing this change. We're going to break down some obstacles in a minute. But let's face it, it's, it's our life, we want control. How many of you guys, we can show hands, how many of you guys want control? It's, I mean, it's not an uncommon thing to, to want control of your life, right? <clears throat> and I think right now, we've even seen a lot of that with the political season. We, we're bombarded right now with people saying what we can and can't do. Right? And, and it's every time the news article, new update comes, I mean, what's the, the bummer question we ask is, oh, what can't we do now? <laughs> what, what is the next level of control that's coming in? And the root of that, when I talk to people about it, that's a word that I hear all the time. I'm, they're trying to control, I'm trying to be controlled, and we're not gonna, we're not gonna break down the politics of what's going on, because I think that's a big talk for another time, and that's a really, really long, but it's an important one, but today I want to talk about when we have that mindset of wanting so much control, that we actually take so much control that we're not even leaving God room to work we have so much control we're saying god doesn't even have a chance because i'm going to dive into this i'm in control these are my plans and nothing will take them away but when we do that we can miss an incredible moment and we have obstacles that we put in our place there are actually obstacles that we are in control of that we do that will i think that kind of hinder us from seeing god's plan and the first one is our past now the truth is we all have a past Everyone has that moment, um, I, I believe, you know, where, where you were before God, and maybe when, when you came to God and how things changed, or things in your past you did when you were younger that uh, you like to joke about now, but it really was no joke <laughs> back, back in your past, right? We all have a past, things that maybe cause shame or guilt or emotions that really, really start bogging you down. Um, I know that, that I have a past, and I went through a, a really dark season in, in my life at a very young age. I shared last week that um, my little brother, Casey, when he was two years old, I was in the fourth grade and he was two, he went to be with Jesus. Now, what I didn't share is this was not the first time tragedy was going to hit really, really close to home. at home. Now, when uh, Casey went to be with Jesus, my mom was pregnant. And when she went for one of her checkups, uh, she was months before her due date, uh, the, baby said, uh, the doctor said that the baby's umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck. And so they put my mom into an emergency cesarean, and Nathan was born. Now, ultimately, it was a doctor's mistake, and there was nothing wrong, but it was, they couldn't do anything from the fact that the baby had now been born. Only seven days after he was born, Nathan joined Casey in heaven with Jesus, and I remember that was so hard, and even now as I talk about it, the, the emotion, even though it was on the fourth grade, but the emotion still coming, it was, it was hard, and I can very clearly remember the questions we asked in that moment. We were saying, Why? Why us? We just went through this with Casey. Now we're going through it again with Nathan. There was anger. There was confusion. And, and to say that there was anger and confusion, that's an understatement, right? It was, it was devastating for our family. I shared last week the, the pain that I felt, and I'll share it again. I mean, it, was, it was hard. I, I, I battled through anger. I battled the, the why questions you know, laying at night. And this was months of wondering why, 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 seeing my dad say that he didn't want to go to church anymore. Seeing my dad say, you know, at dinner time when we would pray for dinner, uh, a, a long season where my dad would just say, you know, someone else pray tonight because he just didn't want to do it because he was so mad. And there were times where we didn't want to do it because we were so mad. And I can look back on that and I can say, man, there was so much pain that that consumed my focus. The pain consumed my focus so much so. So much so that I wasn't allowing God, I wasn't allowing myself to see what God was doing in me in that moment and how he was actually setting up an incredible future for me and my family. A future that is full of faith, a future that has an incredible foundation where I actually, that sparked my walk now into becoming a children's pastor at that time. It showed me such a love for kids, but I had to shift my focus. I had to say, I'm not going to look at the past and I'm not going to look at the past hurts and say, God, why? God, why? I'm going to say, God, what? God, what am I going to do now? God, how, how am I going to take this? What are you going to do in me right now? So I'm not going to focus on this anymore. But we get to look at that and catapult that into the future that God has for us. And I know that without Casey and Nathan, the impact they had on me, I wouldn't be here today doing what I do. Because that was the journey God set me on, starting all the way back in elementary school. And I look back, and I know that, I know that I'll see him again. And I know that when I look back there, there's still emotions of, of hurt and, and pain, but ultimately now I get to focus on the joy that they had because I saw how God used it, and I see how God is still using it to this day. Now, chances are, some of you have a, a past or a story where, where you're not proud. The Israelites actually got to a similar place in the Old Testament where they simply did not know if they could trust God anymore. It's crazy to think everything that they've gone through, and they actually still get to a point where they don't know if they can trust God. Exodus 16, we see a moment with Moses leading the charge for Israel. They were set free from slavery and oppression that they were facing in Egypt. But in in chapter in verse three of this chapter, remember, they were in Egypt, totally oppressed, slave, they're free, they crossed the Red Sea, and they're still now hitting this moment of doubt, a doubt of what God's doing. Exodus 16.3 says... This one, they're really upset with Moses. If we had only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Dramatic much? Right? <laughs> you see, this seems to be the other part of the coin. You either have a past that you're ashamed of or say, like, you know what, oh man, that was hard, that was hurtful, I don't want to talk about it. Or you have a past where you go, oh man, life was so much better back then, I just want to go back I don't want to talk about this anymore. I just want to go back. I mean, and you remember it better than it actually was. Listen to what they say. We sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. No, you didn't. No, they didn't. They were slaves. They were getting beaten to death. They were getting starved to death. Life was horrible, but they were so focused on, man, it's hard now. I just want to go back. They were unable to see what God was laying out for them. They failed to see that their future was a journey, not just a destination, not just a, hey, you're here, but something God was literally taking them through. It was something that was hard, but it was something that God said, trust me, it's worth it. I'm giving this to you. There is a promised land. There is a place to go. You just have to trust me to get there. And it was really, really hard for them because they kept looking back at, man, when they were hungry, well, at least we had food here. And they start remembering it better than it actually was. Sometimes it's easy for us to do that as well. We could say, uh, pre-COVID, man, pre-COVID, my job was this. Pre-COVID in church, we were allowed to do this. Man, in pre-COVID, my life was going this direction. But we look back. But the problem is if we look back and say, oh man, pre-COVID, pre-COVID, pre-this, pre-this, or whatever you wanna look back on in your life, we fail to see what God is now doing in our life because we're so consumed with how things used to be. We aren't seeing how what God is doing right now to prepare yourself and set your table for your personal future. And I'm not saying it's easy. I know that trusting God with your future, I mean, trusting God in general can be really, really scary. Uh, You don't know what exactly it's gonna hold. You don't know what turns and paths and bumps you're gonna go through, what you're gonna walk through. You don't know what it's gonna take. You don't know what it's gonna cost. Sometimes you may be like the Israelites where you're at the Red Sea and you're moving ahead. You're like, all right, God, I'm trusting you. I'm going, but then you hit this Red Sea and you're like, all right, obstacle. And then your past is right behind you. Literally right behind you, chasing you down, coming to catch up to you and consume you again. But when we focus on the future, when we see that that sea is right in front of us, this is just another opportunity to show how God is, how he is orchestrating the most incredible future and story for you ever. It's not an obstacle, it's a moment for God to show his glory. There are so many unknowns, and that's why it's easy to move back into comfort, to look back in the past, because you know what it holds the future is scary because it's unknown. Easier is tempting, but it's often not the answer for progress and growth. It's risky business, right? Trusting God, you think it's risky business. Even if we aren't too focused on our past uh, we, and we don't allow God to hold us back, there is temptation even now to press pause. Let's say, let's say the past isn't your obstacle. Maybe it's the present. Maybe right now you're in a place where you say, no, I'm just gonna pause on my God thing and focus on me and I'll come back because I know he's not going anywhere, so I'm just gonna, gonna kind of pause. Pause the spiritual talk, pause the relationship with him, and focus on here, which brings us to our next obstacle, the present. Our second obstacle is the present. I think the future God wants to bring you has a huge role to play in the right now. So the question then is, if an obstacle is our present, what are you doing now to prepare for what is next? What are you doing now to prepare for what is next? I don't think God wants to be just the God of your future, he does want to be the God of now because what you do now affects where you're going. He desires to have your full attention and your full obedience right now. But some of us, again, we want that control so tight. We want it so bad, it's, it's too hard to let go. There was actually a well-known person in scripture who seemed to do the same thing. He saw how God had laid out his future. He saw where God had taken him, <clears throat> Excuse me, but he still had a moment where he said, ooh, I want this now. And it was not a good now for him. In 2 Samuel 11, we have the story of David and Bathsheba. The focus was now. David was the king over Israel, the same David that took down Goliath, the same David that God had protected from Saul, the same David you see God do an incredible thing and orchestrate his future as the king of Israel. But in this moment, David says, I want something and I want it now. He's alone in the city and he sees a woman bathing named Bathsheba. Now, a few things David's doing wrong here. One is being a peeping Tom, right? Gazing and spying on this girl, taking a bath. Second, Israel was at war. In this time, during war, the kings were in battle. They were leading their troops. They were on the battlefront. For whatever reason, David was not. So he was not where he was supposed to be. And because of that, he let his eyes wander and something happened. He sees Bathsheba and he calls for her. Now, Scripture says that he ends up sleeping with Bathsheba despite the fact that she's married and her husband is in battle. She gets pregnant. So David has his master plan now to fix his current sin. He calls her husband Uriah home and he says, hey, you go be with your wife. And Uriah's like, nope, I'm in battle. I don't have time. David's like, please, please go be with your wife. And Uriah, same thing. He says, nope, not doing it. I've got to focus on the battle. This is what God's put for me, for the army. This is where we're going. So David has Uriah murdered. He puts him in the front line where he knows he will die. And Uriah is murdered so David can cover up his sin. And then eventually he takes Bathsheba thinking everything's covered, Uriah's dead, she's now one of my wives, everything's fine. But it doesn't work and the truth eventually comes out. You see, God was able to call out David's sin because David took his focus off of the future God had been planning and preparing for him. And David said, I'm going to put a pause on that and I'm going to focus on what I want right now. And it was not good. Now, God still used David in mighty ways. David has this, if you read through 2 Samuel, this incredible moment of brokenness when he's called out, when he's caught, where he he actually loses the baby. But the first thing he does when the baby is gone, we find David go to the temple and instead of crying out, God, why? He praises God. It's an incredible redemption story we see where David's able to then focus his shift on, it's not about me, it's about what God is planning and doing through me to get somewhere else. In that moment, though, he was not focused on the future. He was focused on his desires in the present. Similar to David, we're called to be representations to God everywhere we go. And this is something, when we say, I'm going to focus on God, this is not just a, all right, I'm going to focus on God, check that box, get on with your life, right? This is something we struggle with. I know something I struggle with. Am I going to today submit to God or am I going to today submit to Dustin? And sometimes I think submitting to Dustin sounds really, really good, but that's not always the best when the world sees us submitting to ourselves, that's when the worldview of God starts to shift because we're called to be physical representations of the most amazing, loving God who has an amazing plan. Giving up control to God doesn't just happen in our future. It needs to happen every single moment, every single day, saying he is going to be in charge. Now for us, this looks different. Doing something now to show what's going to happen in our future, to show that we have the ultimate faith in our future with him, looks different for everyone. But there's a lot of different things we could do that you could say, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this today to show God that you are in control of my now. It could be a daily time of prayer. Be saying, you know what? I'm going to take today and I am just going to, I'm going to make sure every day I take time I'm going to start and pray. It could be an accountability partner or a group. We talked a little bit about accountability um, a couple weeks ago, how it's one of the things that you know, everybody wants until you have it, right? <laughs> but, but being having an accountability partner or a group, submission to the advice of an authority in your life, nice and easy one, right? <laughs> Submitting to someone who has authority over your life and saying, I'm going to follow you because I know where you are and where you are in your walk with God fasting, having an extended period of waiting and saying, I'm gonna put my desires totally aside and pray and give this time up to God. Serving in something that takes your time. Man, it's, we, time's not something we can give liberally, right? We want time, we wanna keep time, control time. Giving time, serving in a way that takes your time or giving in a sacrificial way that hurts. And these, these are all things that, and I'm not saying nobody does these things, that don't hear that, but I'm saying these are all things that we could do. Uh, may, maybe if you're not doing any of these things, pick one and say, this is a way that I'm gonna show God you are in control. Show him that our focus is on his future, not our present. But it has to look like this every day. To get God's future, we've gotta push ourselves aside, push our own desires to the left, and say, God, I want you in here right now. Relinquish our control. And it takes a very humble attitude to say, I'm not gonna be in control, which is our third obstacle, pride. The thing that gets in the way of giving God our future can be our pride. Now, in Joshua chapter seven, we see Israel face this struggle. They had just had the battle of Jericho. Now, in the battle of Jericho, the whole army marches around Jericho, blasting their trumpets. They don't even have to assault the city. And what happens? The walls come tumbling down, right? Is this massive victory that was impossible But they see how God orchestrates it, and they do it, and it is. They're victorious, and it's amazing. Now, after this battle in Jericho comes this next battle of Ai. Now, Joshua, the leader of um, Israel's army at the time, sent some men to check on Ai before they were going to assault this city. And Joshua 7.3 says this. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take it. and Do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. Now, when the men returned, all they had to say to Joshua, what they had to say to Joshua is, there's no need for all of us to go up there. It won't take more, right? We can do this. We just saw what we did in Jericho, right? We can do it. I think pride started coming into the army. Pride started coming to these people. Like, we didn't even have to assault the city. So this one is a smaller one, not even our whole army. Let them rest. Let's take it. Well, Joshua sent 3,000 men, and they lost the battle. They did not take the city on that attack You see, I think this happened because they were trying to do this on their own. They were saying, this is something we can do. We saw what happened when God was in charge. This place is smaller. We we can just do this. And when they took God out of the equation, it all fell apart. They were full of pride in their own strength and numbers. They were seeking credit for their achievement, and it didn't work. Our pride and overconfidence, I think, can get in the way of what God intends to do in us and through us, which is why this whole thing of focus, again, comes back to humility and your attitude and your ability to say, I want God to be in charge. I want him to be the captain of the ship. Instead of me playing the ultimate pilot, God needs to be the one leading. Church, don't, and don't miss this with, with uh, the Israelites here. See, they were trying so hard to put God at the top of their list when in all reality, God wanted to design the list. He didn't just want them to say, here's what we're going to do, and we got God with us. Man, God wanted to be one that said, this is my creation. Follow what I'm doing. Don't just throw me in. Let me be in charge. And that's where the future and the hopes and the dreams all come together. When we make God our number one on our list, but we let him create the list. See, pride has the incredible ability to blind us, doesn't it? Pride seeps in, and other other people's advice takes a back seat. And then when it gets deep-rooted, pride can be really, really hurtful. But humility means putting aside our own wants and our own desires, our own aspirations and goals, uh, that we aren't making that list and saying, okay, God, here's what I want now, and this is, this is Dustin's rules for life, and then we write God on top and put, make sure he's intertwined in there, and it's good. No, God's saying, no, put me at the top. Fill in the rest later, but put me at the top. Take a step back. Don't be so full of yourself. I want to be in charge. The problem is when we make that list without him, we fall into a trap of having a list that just glorifies ourselves. Our list in life and our priorities just glorify us if God's not first. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then piggybacking off that, Psalm 37.4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I love that. Delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And the great thing is when you're seeking God first, you start to realize that the desires that you have, they really start to align with the desires that he has. It doesn't mean, okay, follow God and I'm gonna get that new video game. Follow God and I'm gonna get this new promotion. Follow God and I'm gonna, because then, then you're putting your desires in there. It's saying when you follow God, He'll give you the desires of your heart because your heart starts to match his. You start to see his future. You start to see his plans and you start walking in that and it becomes better than anything you ever would have written down on that list without him. But sometimes it's hard to see because we want control. Now, I'm gonna move this to the side for a second. Now, let's say this rice represents your life. These are your dreams, your aspirations, your goals. And you decide one day this is... This is my life. This is what, everything I want. And you've made that list. You've got it. And then you say, okay, this is God, because I believe God loves golf. All right? I'm just going to put it right here. So you start saying, all right, this bo- this thing represents everything God wants for us. And you start putting God into your life. You say, all right, I've got my life. I've now got God in my life. But you see something start to happen here. I've got... A lot more that God wants for me, but I'm running out of space. If I start putting my life first, I'm going to be missing out on a whole lot that God has for me, a whole lot that he has for me, because I'm saying it's all about me first. But an incredible thing happens if we switch it around. We say, all right, in my life now, I'm going to put God first. I want to put him at the top of my list. we then say, okay, God, you create my list. You create my list, and then you start putting your life in there. And as you start filling your life, you start saying, wow, it's all coming together, right? And sure enough, your life, when it comes together and you have God there, some amazing stuff happens. You see that you get to have God a little spillage, but you get to see there, you have God, and you have your life, but you get all of what God wants for your life, not just a portion of it. You're not taking things out and saying, oh man, there's no room for God here. He gets to say, good, I get to give you the desires of your heart because that aligned with me, and now look how full your life is, and I'm in every single part of it. It's an amazing thing when we say, God, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to follow you first. Always let God be the number one on your list. His plan, his future, then watch everything fall into place. I'd like to invite uh, Clint and Jen back up as we get ready to close service today. Now, as we close, on the counter in the south foyer, there's two stacks of paper. They're both the same, but they're, they say at the top of this list, it says, God's plan for my life. Number one is already filled out. It says, trust God's plan. Two through 10 are totally blank. And then there's a place for a signature at the bottom. What I'd like for you guys to do today, take that paper, and don't do this unless you mean it. Take that paper, take it home, sign it before you put anything else on the list. Show that, and then date it, put Today's date next to God's plan. Put a date next to your signature and then start to fill in that list as time goes on and date those things. And you can always look at a reminder, you say, I decided to let God be number one on this day for my plan, for my life, and all these other things fell into place. And watch how it all works when you say, I committed to this before the other things. And watch God fill that list in an incredible way. Are you willing to sign it? Are you willing to say, I'm going to focus on God's future and watch what he can do? I believe if we're going to learn to focus on God's future, we've got to learn to get out of the way. Get out of the way. Let him consume us. Get rid of the obstacles. Don't focus on the past. Don't press pause on the present. And don't let pride keep you out of the way. Focus on God. Let him rule your future. Would you all stand with me? I love this place. I love you guys. I love that we get to be here love that we get to celebrate Mother's Day together and that we get a God who has an incredible future for us when we submit to him. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for having just the the desire to love. You love us so much, God. I thank you for having a plan that you want to give each and every one of us. And I pray that whatever is blocking our ability to say, God, I give this to you. God, I pray that we step out of the way. We step out of the way and we watch you move. We do life with you. We watch you take control, take lead, make the plan for us. And that when we do that, we see the incredible thing you can do in our lives because you are in charge. We thank you, God, we love you. And everybody said, amen. Amen.